Welcome back to the Northeast Newscast. On this week's episode, we are sitting down at Ilias Coffee House with Rich Casebolt, the founder of Refuge KC. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, it's great to be here, Abby. Thanks for having me on the podcast. So you all have been a huge part of the positive change we've been seeing in Northeast over the past couple years. You got started in 2016, right? That's right. We uh, officially probably got our uh, 501c3 status in December 2015. So, so right here at Elias Coffee House is where we continue to office. That's great. And tell me a little bit, you know, for those who aren't familiar, what you do for work. Yeah. So Refuge KC exists to welcome our refugees neighbor as our new American neighbor with gospel-focused ministries of mercy so they might know the love of Christ and follow him into his kingdom. So it's very similar to Elias in that we're combining gospel and compassion, uh, you know, practical help, but then also the hope of the gospel with everything that we, we do, everything that we offer, all of our services. So three big things. We welcome all because here, here they are. They're coming from, um, you know, disruptive lives, war-torn countries. So we want to welcome them into this country, offer our services, especially uh, offering to them um, the uh, opportunity to learn English with us on Saturdays or in-home. And then the third thing is we want to offer them an ambassador team or a family, uh, volunteers that come through the churches that really walk alongside of them for over the course of more like a, a year uh, to, to help them adjust and even thrive here in a new, new culture, a new setting. What is the process like for, you know, how do these people end up in Kansas City and particularly Northeast? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting that the Northeast has a history of immigration, right? And so, of course, we all immigrated here. We're, those of us that are in uh, refugee work remind uh, everybody that, um, you know, maybe forget that, that, you know, we are really, unless we're Native American, we're immigrants. And even if we're Native American, like I've got some of that in me, we, we eventually had to get here from, from over there. The, the process that, uh, that gets them here... Um, yeah, it's, it's not unlike the process that they got, um, you, you know, the Italians here, the Vietnamese here, but the refugee resettlement program, uh, as it is now, started in 92, 1992. Uh, and so we've been, yeah, the United States has been receiving legally resettled refugees uh, under this current program since the 90s. And so the only time it's really paused has been, I think, right after 9-11, uh, where, you know, things tightened up security-wise. And so uh, the Refugee Resettlement Program, uh, yeah, basically through the State Department, uh, the federal government working with the uh, local uh, state government, uh, and then the local resettlement agencies here in Kansas City um, brings in refugees uh, yearly. And so that quota is set by the the, uh, the, the federal government by the president's office, so State Department. So yeah, but they, they often spend many years in refugee camps. So some of the refugees we, we are welcoming have lived most of their lives at a refugee camp before coming here. And so, so yeah. if people are finally being settled, say in Kansas City or in Northeast, yeah. they are probably have gone through a time of turmoil, um, being right. unsettled, moving around a lot. And now here they are finally trying to find that stability, you know, and how do they get introduced to Refuge KC? Yeah, that's right. 
Well, so we have uh, traditionally met them pretty organically. <clears throat> we do have a little bit of signage up front, but we, we meet them because we're their neighbors. We shop in the same places they shop. We walk in the same places they walk. We go to the same parks. And yeah, we just share this neighborhood with them. And so that's typically how we've been meeting them. Now, in the past, we have had a partnership with the resettlement agencies. It can be a little tricky because of their, um, on, on that side, when you receive government dollars, uh, it's, it's very difficult to partner, uh, increasingly so, it seems like, with a faith-based organization. It shouldn't be that way. In fact, many of the resettlement, much of the resettlement that happens, happens through faith-based organizations like Catholic Charities, Lutheran Services. But uh, as our society turns increasingly secular, that relationship is challenging. So we have partnered with JVS, Jewish Relational Services, and we have partnered some with the local resettlement agency here in Delalem. But at, at times uh, that has been uh, a, a little tricky on their part in order to, to, to keep, um, yeah, to keep things on, on the, uh, how should we say, yeah, to keep, to keep things secular for them, they uh, they have to kind of keep their clients to themselves. Sure, so I we, get that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think it's estimated that there's 22 million refugees worldwide, and an additional 36 million internally displaced people. Um, and would you say like around 500 end up in Kansas City every year? I know it changes based on who the president is and what's going on in the world, but that seems to be the pretty stable number. Yeah, so when we first started in 20, 2015, our number was inching up towards 1,000 coming into the Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas City, so Kansas City Metro. So it was about 750 to 1,000. Then uh, you had the lean years of the, the Trump presidency, when, whenever the shutdown did take place, uh, yeah, where they wanted to take a look at security and how is this being handled. And then it's really only been one year that our numbers have jumped back up. And so starting Thanksgiving week, the um, Afghan influx started. And so in the period from uh, November this time last year, so 21, 2021 to April of 2022, there was about 750 Afghan alone that wow. arrived to Kansas City. So yeah, we saw like we saw about 350 of those uh, welcomed them into their temporary housing in a hotel and then helped them get into their permanent housing. So I think our numbers this year, well, in the last year, looked you know more like 750 to 800, uh, like they traditionally looked, you know, uh, back in pre 2016. Sure. What change are you hoping to make here in Northeast in the neighborhood that you call home? Yeah, you bet. Well, so we do believe that diversity of peoples and cultures is a beautiful thing. No, I know that diversity is, is a word that we we you know we hear as a buzzword these days. But yeah, our our faith would tell us that we have a God who loves diversity. I mean, He made He made people of every kind and color, and uh, He made their cultures, the culture, the parts of their cultures that are good, right? Um, you, you know, as cross-cultural workers, as Christians, we recognize that some things in culture are not good. You know, they're directly against the commands of God, and so we want to see those change. You know, and and it might be. It seems strange here in the Northeast to think that murder is one of those, but there are certain cultures that they grew up murdering, and that's all they had. They, they, they had revenge killings, you know. 
And so, um, you know, like the Alcas down in South America. Anyway, there's a famous story of five missionaries going there and they lost their lives very quickly uh, in, in reaching them. But then one of the widows and one of the sisters went back and those men came to Christ and, and, and you know, their lives changed, changed dramatically. So we think in terms of that type of change, we want to see people coming, you know, from war-torn countries where it's kill or be killed. And, of course, we want to see them, you know, know that, hey, you don't have to... Um, worry about your lives here. You don't have to uh, fight for survival here in the same way you did in, in your war-torn country. So we want them to find, of course, we, we use the word refuge, we want to find them to find a, a true refuge and a safe place so that they can ultimately you know, start their lives over again and um, live with a, yeah, live with a, a fair amount of security and, and uh, just safety. Which is challenging in the Northeast, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> in many ways. So when I first get here, I can share a story about this guy named Safe. He came over from Iraq, and you know, Iraq is a difficult, difficult place to live. You can imagine, uh, uh, climate-wise, he told me about how hot it gets, and all of a sudden, you know, it can get very cold in the desert. So you'll die of heat, or you'll die of exposure to the cold. You know, and then of course, this country has been war-torn. He was a translator for U.S. forces, but when he got here, I could just tell he was so happy. And he told me, he goes, this is, this is like heaven compared to Iraq. And I said, well, just don't go out in heaven after dark by yourself. <laughs> so I began to tell him, look, here's the reality of this world that you live in. It's fallen, as we say in Christian terms, but hopefully everybody recognizes it's fallen from the ideal that we want it to be or the ideal that we, we of course, read about in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, and so I had to just warn him, even though he's a bodybuilder type, I said, you know, just don't go out by yourself um, after dark. So uh, slowly but surely, you, you know, they, they begin to realize that it's not it's quite as wonderful as they had thought it was. But sometimes things in life never are right. It's still real life. You know, it, um, I'm sure for a lot of them it's a relief to be in the States and to have a neighborhood. Um, but, yeah, we have our own challenges here. Yeah, um, that's right. It seems like this is not a need that will ever go away because there will always be, unfortunately, um, new groups of refugees coming every year. So is it something you hope to expand in the future? Yeah, that's a real good question. We're, we're thinking about that right now. You, you know, um, we would like potentially to see this as a refugee services center to where they can come to us. Right now, it is, for the most part, a go-to-them kind of um, you know, service where we, we go to them and, and let them know um, that we do genuinely want to welcome them into our, uh, into our city, into our neighborhood, and then offer the uh, services that we have. But yeah, as we just look outside these very walls, these very windows, we're seeing you know, our new American neighbors walk by, Afghan neighbors, Burmese, Congolese, uh, Iraqi, Somali. So we want them to know that they can come and look for the services they need here. Uh, and at the same time, you know, we don't want to duplicate refugee resettlement services, but just really kind of fill in the gap in some cases or just recognize, wow, you know, long after, still after the, the time that they're no longer clients, there is a real need, you know, for, uh, for, for these folks to have some native-born help or some help from people that are... Yeah, from, from this culture. So, Yeah, that's great. I mean, just looking at my block, I have families, like my neighbors, I moved here from Iran 
11 years ago. Uh-huh. And they were the ones to welcome me to the neighborhood. So it's cool to see that shift, that they were once New Americans, and now they're the ones welcoming me, welcoming me to Northeast. How have you seen people, you know, kind of settle in over the years? Like, as time passes, as they get to know, um, you know, people who were born here, who live in this community? Yeah. I can kind of share a couple of stories, maybe. So one of the first uh, New American neighbors I met, his name's Doa, and he, he injured, he was injured uh, working over in uh, in Thailand, actually, and he lost both, both of his legs. Well, it just so happens my wife and I were missionaries in Thailand. So when I walked out to meet him, I, it's a funny story because I actually tried a, a couple of different languages that I just knew a little bit of, whether it was Vietnamese or Spanish. I can't, I can't remember, maybe even Burmese. And then finally I asked him in English where he was from. I said Thailand. He's actually from Myanmar, from the current state, but most recently, of course, he had lived many years in Thailand. Mm. So then I asked him in Thai if he spoke Thai, and he, he really lit up because here it was we had a language that we could understand <laughs> each other in because he didn't speak English at the time yeah. at all. So I began to, to uh, get to know his family better. He hosted one of our first permanent model studies just right back here on 8th Street. Well, eventually he moved to Park into his first house, and then he bought a house over uh, off of Truman uh, and uh, closer to Northeast Middle School. Well, very, very, very soon I heard that he had gotten he gotten citizenship, and so then he called me and he said, "Hey, can you take me to vote?" So I took him in 2016 to vote in the presidential election, and then I took him again in 2020. He voted both those presidential elections, and then right after his first time to vote, he said, "I want to get my passport." So we took him to get his passport, and then he went back, you know, to visit people in Thailand, and even got to go back to friends' state, which right now would probably not be recommended. Yeah, not something he could do. But yeah, so it was really good. He got to go back and see family and friends. So that's his story. You can kind of tell his progression, of course, from renting a small apartment to his first house to now buying a house, and then, of course, becoming a, you know American citizen and actually being involved in you know the uh, the dem- democratic process of voting and and then wanting to get a passport to to travel as now a U.S. citizen back to his country. How awesome! And I mean, a lot of these families, I know they probably think they'll never be able to go back you know, that you kind of have to leave everything behind. And to get the opportunity to travel back, visit people, see old friends or family, that's just so cool. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, and he got to take some of his sons, you know, his whole family didn't get to go, but some of his older sons went with him. And of course he asked me if I wanted to go. And I said, how long were you thinking of being over there? He said, oh, maybe four months. <laughs> I said, I don't think I can get permission to leave that long. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your team like? Are you mostly volunteers? Do you have staff? Yeah, absolutely. So we have been myself and then a part-time uh, person who's our volunteer coordinator. Her name's Patty, Patty B. And she's been with this for quite some time, but after retiring from her regular job, kind of came on officially about a year ago. So yeah, we were able to bring on our second full-time person in January of 2022, so January of this year, at Carson Myers. And so that's been, oh wow, just a huge blessing. Carson's a great addition. He and I are at the same church fellowship. He actually came into the Northeast initially as a refuge KC intern. So that kind of oh, cool. introduced him to the, to the neighborhood in 2016. So 2016, 2017. Uh, and so now he's uh, full-time with this. So, so two full-time and one part-time. And then a host of volunteers. 
So in the effort to welcome about 350 Afghan uh, through temporary housing and then the full, we, we had a list of 1,200 emails that we were emailing to help with that, coordinating that effort at the hotel. And so there were probably, definitely in the hundreds, four or five hundred volunteers that actually came and spent time you know, with us at the hotel. It's time to take a break to thank our sponsors. Shemekas Online Market in Delhi, offering catering and nationwide shipping at shemekasonline.com. Find their new deli at 16th and Swift in North Kansas City. Shemekas, where customers become friends and friends become family. From classics to campers, hot rods to hoopties, Seaberg Muffler, your exhaust headquarters since 1974. Armor Road in Burlington in North Kansas City, Missouri. And now back to the newscast. If people are interested in volunteering or learning more about your organization, where should they look? Yeah, so to find out more about Refuge KC, you can go to our website, www.refugekc.org, and then you can email us at info at refugekc.org. And yeah, we would uh, love to, uh, to talk to people, especially local people. I think we, we get a lot of people coming in from out of the area, which is so great. But there is a bit of a commute, and there is a little bit of a difference of not living in this neighborhood and really understanding you know exactly what life is like here. Uh, so local people would be especially, you know, um, yeah, just really sensitive to that and understand uh, what, what life is like here. But we do have Saturday ESL. That's all volunteer-based as well. So we have an enrollment of probably about 35, 40 students. Oh, great. And last Saturday we had 20 students, so that was, that was good. There's always, uh, yeah, there, there's always... Uh, a question mark as to you know how many students will have showing up on a given Saturday, but it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Cool to, to see the you know how many different cultures are coming. To, oh, I'm sure. To English. So um, you mentioned you speak a couple languages. How many? Yeah. Well, so I I uh, learned Thai uh, in Thailand, and and then I started to learn Isan, which is closer to Laotian, and so so I uh, can kind of kind of be conversational in those languages. Uh, three languages, but really, yeah, really just two, because Isan and, and Lao are the same. And then I have some Spanish under my belt. And then what I've done in working with new American neighbors from around the world, I to at least learn their greeting and how are you. And a lot of times they'll say, have you eaten yet? Just like in Thai. And so I've learned that in multiple languages. That's so, good. So yeah, Arabic, Swahili, you know, um, Karen, Burmese, yeah. That. I always try and do that before I travel. I think it makes people feel more um, open, more welcome. That's right. They know that you're trying to communicate in their, in their heart language. So That's cool. Um, and so you mentioned Bible study and ESL. Uh, what other services you know, can you help set people up with? That's right. Well, so after, after they've lived here for five years, they are ready for the naturalization process, like what Doha went through. And so we can offer those classes. So it's basically like an eighth grade civics test. And so it's still our volunteers that have helped with that. They're finding, wow, this is a good refresher. <laughs> so there's about 100 questions that you study, and then you have 10 on the test, a couple of which you need to actually write the answers for. But yeah, that's something that we, we love to do to help them get ready for their citizenship tests that we've done in the past in, in connection with ESL. So, you know, because they'll, they'll come for English and then also want citizenship is how it's happened in the past. 
So those are two services. And then yeah, we, we also do uh, we do some house hunting for folks. Usually it's not their first house, but maybe their second or, or third and, and trying to, to help people navigate the housing market and, and looking for either a bigger place or maybe they want to move from an apartment to a house. And then we also have offered emergency transportation or like as needed transportation for medical or job related. And then on the note of jobs, just a job search. People come wanting maybe a different job, so we'll help them apply for jobs online. So we hope to offer all of that in a more, in a more you know, uh, intentional way here in, in this space in the future. Cool. And you know, this is already a busy space. Um, I see we're getting ready for Bible study, which is every morning at 10, right? That's right. Um, there's a big empty space right next door. Have you guys considered that? You know, believe it or not, we actually have. But we've heard that building would need some renovations that would be out of our budget at least. <laughs> yeah. We've actually been looking more to the uh, west here, right? Just the, the old La Flor de Chiapas. But same deal, wow, that's a lot of building. I think that one might be you know, a little less um, renovation you, you know, or uh, upfront cost. So yeah, we, we definitely thought about it. I think our best, maybe our best uh, shot would be just some office space that, that didn't need to be renovated <laughs> that we could just rent at a uh, probably a smaller space initially. Yeah. That'd be great. I mean, there's so many empty storefronts on Independence Avenue that we would love to see filled with businesses, restaurants, nonprofits. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And as this community continues to, you know, make positive changes, I think we'll see a lot more people being attracted for the good things. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, yeah. Just thank you so much for, for the time this morning, yeah, and, and interviewing us and kind of raising the awareness of what we're doing here. Um, yeah, we, we love what we're doing. I, I started with uh, with Dan and Wendy Smith here at Elias in 2011, and so that kind of was my first taste to the nonprofit world. It really was. I, yeah, my first experience with nonprofit ministry, and then really urban core living and, and working. Uh, at least in the United States. So I'd lived in big cities overseas, but uh, when I lived in Kansas City before we were sent out as missionaries to Thailand, I lived in the suburbs. So yeah, it really got me prepared. I, in hindsight, now I see that becoming a barista, of all things, and then a manager, uh, and, and then doing ministry, meeting uh, Doha. Yeah, it was just the Lord preparing me for what I'm doing now. So that's really exciting, and no idea what the future holds. That's one thing about walking by faith, because we don't know. We don't know if there's going to be many or there's going to be few or, you know, even what the response is going to be for our offer of, of services. But love what I'm doing. And, yeah, I love uh, I love walking by faith and just trusting the Lord to lead day by day. That's great. One of my favorite parts about my job is talking to people who are so passionate about what they do. And it's super cool to see so many of those people concentrated here in Northeast trying to make our community better, and then just kind of like dreaming big on what this neighborhood can be. So, yeah. thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thank you, Abby.